Welcome back to Everything Just Changed. I'm Bryce Hales, and I'm here with my friend and fellow church planter, Brad Edwards. And we are uh, doing what we're calling an interlude episode today. Uh, We finished up season one uh, about a month ago, and we are going to pause to sort of reflect on, on, on what we've done so far in this podcast before we bring you season two that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. So in Everything Just Changed, on this podcast, what we've been trying to do is help you follow Jesus faithfully in a post-Christian and post-pandemic world. Brad and I started this podcast, I don't know, three or four weeks into the global pandemic locking down life in the U.S. And uh, we have really been trying to lean into a kingdom mentality. Our, Our goal has been to help uh, both in ourselves, but but in our listeners to help us cultivate a kingdom posture, a, a posture where we're not uh, living out of scarcity and worried primarily about protecting ourselves and our families, but following God, asking what is God doing in the midst um, of a world that just seems like everything is going crazy. And so we have covered a wide variety of topics in season one. Uh, we've talked about we've talked about the nature of, of identity being received from Christ rather than achieved. We've talked about, of course, secularism, how, that, how that's driven so much of the moment that we're in. We've talked about community. And uh, I think one of my favorite episodes, we've, we've talked about conspiracy theories and how, how they've just run rampant in this moment. We've done a couple of interviews, which have been uh, just a lot of fun. And we've learned a lot through this process. So today, Brad and I are just popping in quickly to reflect on, on what we've done so far in this podcast but also where we're going to be going when we start season two in a couple of weeks. So Brad, uh, let me just kick this off and by kicking it to you, what's been the biggest aha moment as we have talked together over the last several months on this podcast? Yeah, well, and I think, I think it's helpful to especially name how this did not go in so many ways the way we expected Right. On top of a pandemic and a global pandemic that neither of us, or none of us have ever had any experience in, uh, in, in the middle of that dumpster fire, we had a kerosene poured on top of it with the murder of George Floyd and the racial justice unrest that has been kind of uh, also plaguing the country. In- yeah, it's, it's hard to even remember at this point, but I remember the moment in you know, the second half of March, when very quickly the coronavirus kind of shut everything down nationwide in the U.S. And there was this moment, I feel like initially of, of, of people feeling like, okay, we're all going to pull together, we're all going to get through this, and we're going to be stronger and better for it when we come out the other side. And uh, if that wasn't the case nationwide, it certainly was the hope of a lot of Christians <laughs> yes. that, that, that like God would use this to bring people back to the mm-hmm. church. And gosh, that seems like a, a hope that has just evaporated as, you know, first the coronavirus wearing masks has become sort of a divisive issue. Mm-hmm. But then of course the racial justice conversation, like you said, has just been like pouring kerosene on a dumpster fire. Yeah. I mean, I think we, I think you and I both knew that there's a sense that 
part of part of our assumption that God is at work and that He um, may be showing us the. Um, redemptive opportunities within a global pandemic is based on the assumption that in a lot of ways, things don't ever get better until they get worse first. I just don't think we realized how much more worse they could get. Oh, man. Right? Like, I mean, isn't that just the case? I mean, you and I have both been preaching through First Peter and our church context and and uh, the way God uses suffering to yeah. not only reveal the nature of our faith, but actually to strengthen our faith is one of the central themes of First Peter. And yet, like you, we're both obviously Westerners, <laughs> you know, we're as individualistic, at least that's the way we've been formed as anybody else. And so our temptation, I think, is to think that of suffering is like a bad weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's this uh, not just short, but damn near momentary uh, suspension of our comfort and affluence, as opposed to maybe not even a season, but a, a, a prolonged generational thing potentially. And, yeah. and, and I think, um, you know, it, it, it didn't take significant social unrest around racial injustice to demonstrate and show us how privileged we both are in terms of the relative comfort that we genuinely enjoy mm-hmm. uh but but it sure as hell uh accelerated our appreciation of that and how damning um some of our own blindness has been in the midst of that i mean if you said um if you said paint a picture uh, a caricature of of division and polarization uh, that you think this country could like at its worst get to like if you had gone back to late 2019 and said paint that picture it, it wouldn't it probably would not have actually come close to what we're currently experiencing the caricature of six months ago is our present reality and that is yeah man and and, and I think so I, I think all of this had to you know to go back to your question like like what's this been like what do we learn how are we processing this we we kind of had Bryce you and I an aha moment during one of these episodes and and it was the one where we were interviewing Brandon Washington which by the way was far and away our most listened to episode for yeah. good reason um, and Brandon is an amazing human amazing and humble human being who um, is able to articulate things from so many different perspectives and across a huge, broad audience. It's, 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 yeah, incredibly well-spoken, incredibly gracious, incredibly rooted in Scripture. And, and one of the things that he said in particular that just hit us between the eyes was when he told this, this illustration about how his HOA paid for a tree trimmer to come by and trim all the trees in the front yards of, of his entire neighborhood. And they hesitated at one tree in particular. And so he came outside to ask like, Hey, you know, why aren't you trimming this tree? And, and they explained it's, it is a domesticated fruit tree. He was surprised when they said it was a fruit tree because it had not borne any fruit. And I think he said it was a pear tree or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he said, it's never borne any fruit. Why is that? And the, the arborist said, it's a domesticated fruit tree. It has had the fruit-bearing genes bred out of it because the fruit, like they want the, they want the, 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 the tree to look nice and it, it's easy to maintain. Certain fruit trees are just easier than others. But they bred the fruit-bearing aspect out of it because the fruit was too inconvenient and messy. And yeah, a fruit tree that actually bears fruit is annoying. Right. And, 
And in the moment, Bryce, you and I were like, oh my gosh, I mean, I, we totally understand what you're saying with this. Like this is the church and how we, you know, the, the church has become domesticated in a lot of ways. But the thing that like was percolating in my head that we ended up talking about after we, we uh, were done with the formal interview part was so many people at, at my church, especially, but both of our churches um, are there in part because they are frustrated with a domesticated church. Mm. And, and in a lot of ways, we kind of, I don't know, caught them on their way out of evangelicalism toward a secularism that promised more fruit that looked like the kingdom fruit that Jesus teaches, teaches about as it, as it pertains to um, economic flourishing and the least of these and the care for the hungry orphans and widows, uh, shalom in society, mm-hmm. mutual, holistic, comprehensive human flourishing. That- well, and I think there's also I, one aspect of it is just the aesthetic. They're like, there's a, there's a beauty to oh. like a sort of an aesthetic beauty to a lot of the, um, kind of kingdom without a king to, again, reference Mark Sayers' phrase, mm-hmm. path of the secular life. And the question that we begin asking kind of with that episode is two things. One, as Brandon articulated, how can a fruit tree that bears no fruit in any meaningful sense still be called a fruit tree? right? What is going on in the church that we are so reticent and so domesticated? What has domesticated the church such that Mm -hmm. we're not bearing the fruit, particularly, especially, but not only in the area of racial justice, that has, and that is also driving people out of the evangelical church. And so toward that end, like the, the thing that we've realized, this kind of helped us process and 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 identify that under every single different topic that we looked at in this podcast season. Yeah, so how how is a fruit tree and a meaningful sense of fruit tree if it's not bearing fruit? You know, one of the things I think that I, I mean that I've been praying for in the midst of this pandemic and crisis and that we've talked a lot about Brad is that there's not a lot we can do about the world or the nation or the culture in general. But my hope and prayer for the church is that the church is going to be a calming presence, bringing the aroma of Christ into the midst of a chaotic situation. And man, like that has that I think we can objectively say that has not been the case. Yeah, I feel like no matter what topic you're talking about in the midst of this, whether it's, you know, weird um straining gnats out of uh, our soup or whatever the analogy should be when it comes to critiquing and therefore not participating in um, protest or advocacy around Black Lives Matter because of supposed Marxist roots. Like, like we... we I, I heard somebody say that we, we well actually everything to the point of meaninglessness. Absolutely, right? And, and rather than being a redemptive presence within these movements and conversations that seeks to unify through grace, we have stood apart from it saying, you need to get your crap together such that we won't impurify ourselves by participating. Yeah. And let's be clear. I mean, some of these movements, like they, they need some reforming. They need, they need, uh, they, they need the gracious presence of those who are following the king 
Jesus into these into these places, into these conversations, into these moments, because the alternative is is simply just destruction. No, absolutely, and, and that's the thing. Like we, there is no movement outside of the church that we will ever have a hundred percent alignment with. Right. And yet the fact that we are waiting for somebody else to spark that movement rather than contributing to it and sparking it ourselves is damning. And it is, it is illustrating the contrast between a domesticated fruit tree and what a fruit tree is originally uh, DNA wise intended to, to yeah. produce. Yeah. Right. So. I, okay. So you said there were two aha moments. So the one is, is, is what in what meaningful sense is the fruit tree a fruit tree if it's not producing fruit? In what meaningful sense is the church the church if it's not bearing fruit? That's the first aha. What's the second? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, this, this, the well, we don't really necessarily have right. The the difficulty is we don't have uh, an answer to that question, right? In so many ways, Jesus is 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 what defines the church, and yet Jesus has said um, uh, through his word in James, faith of that works is dead. And so what then is the problem and the root? Like why in the world is, how did the, how did the church get to be domesticated in the church in the first place? Mm-hmm. What is it that's keeping the church from bearing this fruit? And so uh, that's when we realized and kind of in processing that and trying to figure that out and, and, and listen to other people who've been talking about some of this stuff that the common denominator among every episode in our podcast has not necessarily been secularism, Although that has been very much tied in and related, it's actually been individualism. Individualism, yeah. And, yeah. The- and, and secularism is downstream from individualism and sort of aberrant Christianity is downstream from individualism. Yeah, I mean, w- what we would say is the, and this is what we're trying to tease out and, and, and process right now, is um, you see in American culture uh, and especially... Uh, a, a American majority culture, right? A bifurcation of individualism having two primary expressions. One is generally more conservative and spiritual, and the other one is generally more progressive and secular. And the first category generally lines up with an evangelical church, but where it's domesticated, it is absolutely influenced far more by individualism uh, than a, a, a biblical pursuit of, of fruit. And yeah. so what we realized is, is I, think, I think when I, maybe I don't want to speak for you, Bryce, but when, I, when we first started this, I really thought individualism was a facet downstream of secularism. And I'm, I'm actually starting to wonder if it's actually the reverse. And it's actually evangelicalism's complicity with individualism mm-hmm. that in many ways is kind of feeding people into secularism. Yeah. So, so in a sense, the, the, I mean, one of the things we've talked about before, and this is not unique to us or original to us, is that um, freedom in our culture has been defined as doing whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, which is an essentially American value, Western value that has led to both secularism and aberrant individualistic forms of Christianity where Jesus is sort of uh, the cherry on top of my life <laughs> instead of the foundation of my life. Yeah. And biblically speaking, freedom is not the freedom to do whatever you want as long as it hurts nobody. Freedom, biblically speaking, is uh, becoming who you were created to be 
in Christ. A fish is not free on land because a fish was created to live in water. A train is not free if it's driving down the street. You know, it's making a wreck of everything. And human beings are not free when we're doing whatever the heck we want. We're free when we are being who we were created to be in Christ. Yeah, if you follow an individualist compromised Christianity to its ultimate conclusion, it functionally reduces Jesus to a mascot, right? He's a figurehead, not a king. Mm. And what that does is gives you the freedom to claim the benefits of, of, of his kingship and the, the, the association thereof, but it doesn't require you to bear any fruit, Mm-hmm. And that's the domestication that we are. That's the domestication. And, and so kind of toward that, and Bryce, you were saying before we started this, that, that like we also kind of originally uh, thought that our audience would include a lot of people who are coming from a, a more secular perspective. But we're starting to realize in a lot of ways that where the conversation just needs to go, especially from two church planter pastors, is to to really address the church in in a little bit more specific and an intentional way. Yeah. Yeah. And so as we, as we move into season two, we have really stumbled across a paradigm to help us answer the question, where is the church in the midst of a world going crazy? And so uh, as we move towards season two, we want to speak more specifically to the church and really ask the question, where is the church in the midst of world that's losing its mind? And it's all coming back to this issue of the way that individualism is um, taking both secular and sort of uh, aberrant individualistic Christian expressions. And this is not anything that we have done because of our, our uh, academic prowess or anything like that. But just in these conversations, uh, a couple of church planners have stumbled across what we think is actually a really profound and compelling paradigm that we're going to unpack around king and kingdom in season two that we think is going to help us understand uh, really what's going on in this cultural moment. Well, and anyway. to build on... The, the foundation laid by Mark Sayers and John Mark Comer in this cultural moment. Um, I think what we, what we sought, what we started to uh, explore this season was his claim that we 100 percent agree with, uh, that secularism is the pursuit of the kingdom without a king. This next season, the emphasis is really also going to to, to complement that with an understanding that uh, you know, Bryce and I are still trying to to figure out our terminology here, um, and and we're not totally on the same page with this. But we would say an aberrant or an individualist infected evangelicalism uh, is the worship of of the king without the kingdom. And when we when when you divorce king and kingdom from one or the other, it is for individualistic reasons, and it is it is actually the marriage of king and kingdom that gives the full biblical expression of the church that is so needed for this historical and cultural moment that we're in. And so that is what we're going to be exploring in season two. We cannot wait to bring that to you. Brad and I have just finished recording the first couple episodes of season two, and you are not going to want to miss them. We're taking things to a whole new level, and it's uh, it's going to be really exciting. We'll begin releasing season two two weeks from today, so check that out. If you want a sneak preview, you can check out our brand new website. It's still in progress 
at kingandkingdom.community. And we are looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation with you there as we continue in this journey of following Jesus faithfully in a post-Christian and post-pandemic world. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Bryce Hales with Brad Edwards. Our theme music was recorded by Kevin McLeod and used under a Creative Commons license from filmmusic.io. And our logo was designed by Danny Rankin. We'll be back in two weeks helping you navigate life in this chaotic world that we are living and journeying through together right here on Everything Just Changed. 